Know what to eat, but find yourself not eating it. Perhaps you've been on diets and off again, and just wonder why you can't stick to them. The Eating For You podcast, hosted by me, Sally Ann Pisk, will show you what's been missing so you can enjoy a healthier way of eating that lasts. Hi, Sally Ann here. And as promised, I'm exploring what living with COVID means for you and our community today. Of interest, Angela Mills, our podcast fitness expert, and I discussed coming out of COVID lockdown just over 12 months ago on our local community radio. Whilst many of us feel like we are back to life as it used to be, today I encourage you to reflect on your journey of living with COVID and what the immediate future holds as new strains of Omicron spread in Australia. This podcast isn't going to be looking at disease statistics, rather help you to explore how you can maintain your health and well-being moving forward. I am going to share part of my journey through the multiple lockdowns and most importantly, some immune boosting tips as we enter a new phase of living with COVID. As many of you know, I tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 virus in October and I want to share a little of my experience of having the COVID-19 disease so far. On the day of recording this episode, I was 18 days since testing positive and 9 days since receiving a negative rapid antigen test. When I tested positive, my husband Dennis and I had returned home from a holiday in Fiji. Having spent most of our time outdoors, we thought we would have minimal chance of contracting the virus. But we were wrong. It is just a reminder that we may take a holiday, but the COVID virus doesn't. I don't share this to dissuade you from going on holidays, rather to look at ways to minimise your risk of contracting the virus. Looking back at our holiday, we know that there were a few occasions that could have been the time we came into contact with the virus. We possibly could have have avoided getting the virus by either avoiding these situations or wearing a face mask. We did wear N95 masks in the airport and on the aeroplane. However, during our holiday, we didn't wear a mask and no one else did either. It fascinated me when our family and friends found out we had COVID that the first question they asked was, is it really bad or is it mild? Well, asking two healthcare practitioners this is just like asking them how long is a piece of string. Having spoken to many ladies in the Eating For You community during the COVID-19 pandemic, both before and after the rollout of the vaccines, I am well aware, and you probably are too, that this virus, like all viruses, affects us all differently. My initial symptoms were an occasional sneeze, cough. Within 24 hours, this had become a snuffy nose, more regular sneezing and a sore throat. And these symptoms just worsened over the next 24 hours. I felt tired and rested for most of the first days after testing positive. My energy levels being low, I knew I had to prioritise what I did. I wore a face mask to minimise transmission of the virus to my horse because attending to her was a priority and I certainly didn't want to pass it on to her. My only other priority, even though I had a low appetite, was to eat and drink well. Fortunately, I had made several vegetarian curries before we went away so we could just heat them up. Hydration was also important and we both commented that we needed to drink more water and the occasional juice to stay hydrated. We just monitored the colour of our urine so it remained a pale straw colour. Whilst I wasn't requiring sleep during the day, I needed 12 hours overnight in bed 
and then I would often eat breakfast in bed during that first week. The sore throat passed after a few days, but the snuffy nose took a bit longer. We chose to burn all of our tissues in the fireplace just to minimize the amount of COVID in our environment. This is the other thing you realize when you are sneezing and coughing all the time is how many times you need to wash your hands. I noticed how many things I touched just to make a cup of tea. So my mindfulness practice was put to a new practical use. Nine days since testing negative, I am still more tired than usual. Whilst I am not needing 12 hours of sleep at night, my body still needs to rest for 12 hours. And other friends younger than me have shared they had the same experience for about a month after receiving a negative test. So being vaccinated and having a strong health foundation like I had hasn't meant that COVID has come and gone without being noticed. Whilst I'm very grateful to have avoided severe illness and hospitalization, my life has certainly been interrupted. I'm still only working at a part-time rate and haven't commenced my daily yoga routine at this stage. Being unwell and resting though always provides an opportunity to reflect. For me, I have been reflecting on my health and how I can recover as quickly as possible. And the only thing we can really do in this situation is to pace ourselves, not overdo it. Having said that, I think it took seven days since my negative test for my brain to start functioning normally. Well, at least I've lost the brain fog. The other thing I reflected on was when my actual experience of COVID really started. It was much earlier than my positive test. As I said, we have all been living with it since the pandemic was declared. I remember clearly in January 2020, we had bushfires threatening from three directions. I was home alone and walking this fine line between vigilance and anxiety. We had been in drought for seven years and then the rains came at the beginning of February. At least we were spared the floods. But unfortunately, my horse had a bad fall and was stabled for two weeks. At this time, the news was becoming focused on the SARS-CoV-2 virus. I was concerned for my husband's well-being as he was returning from overseas. And on his return, he was surprised that Australia hadn't already closed its borders. This was early February. Like many others, we had pre-arranged holidays. For our immediate trip, it was a visit to Queensland, which I was really looking forward to, especially after coming out of the threat of bushfires and my horse's accident. We did manage to travel to Noosa, but our holiday was cut short as the border between New South Wales and Queensland was going to be closing and Sydney was facing its first lockdown. We had to get home so we could arrange Dennis's mum to come and stay with us. At the time, she was in her 90s and living independently, but with her eyesight failing, we knew lockdown in Sydney wouldn't work for her. And I know for many others, pending border closures and lockdowns had serious implications for work, schooling, healthcare, and contact with family. In August 2020, our family was impacted by the first death of SARS-CoV-2 virus. A close friend, my late brother, aged 57, died, leaving his wife and two young daughters. At this stage, Hundreds and thousands, possibly millions of families around the world had lost loved ones to COVID. We were receiving daily updates via the news stations on the number of COVID infections, hospitalizations and death. This daily report was to continue for months. Our sister also contracted COVID, but fortunately only experienced a raised temperature and has fully recovered. 
Her illness coincided with my husband having a serious accident with frequent trips to Sydney for an operation and follow-up appointments. Our family was no different to any other family. We were living with COVID and other unexpected events in life. Take a moment to reflect, what was happening for you? How did you manage? And what have you learned from these experiences? The common thing I was hearing during this time, during my calls with ladies from Australia and New Zealand, was that learning to live with uncertainty was a positive thing. However, living alone was a challenging and there was a spike in comfort and emotional eating. Others shared that they had to watch their reliance on a glass or two of wine at the end of the day. The term COVID kilos was born as people struggled to adjust to their new lockdown routines, less activity and more comfort eating. So if you are still struggling to stop non-hunger eating or readjust to a healthier body weight, you are most welcome to join me in a free 15-minute call. We'll discuss your habits and if I can help, I will share a personalised tip to get you eating more mindfully and moving away from those comfort eating habits that are keeping you stuck. Moving towards the end of this year, we were fortunate to have another short break in Noosa. The year I'm talking about is still 2020. But again, we had to return home quickly as the new outbreak of COVID in Sydney was happening and we knew there was going to be another lockdown. So we had to plan another country retreat for my mother-in-law. My focus now at the end of 2020 was would I get home to see my family in Victoria? Like many Australians, I had been cut off from my family since February and with parents in their late 80s, I was keen to get home for Christmas. I crossed the Victorian border feeling like an escapee two days before it closed. I thought I would do the right thing and I joined the long queue at Shepparton Hospital to have a COVID test. Even though I had travelled from a green area and not stopped at any roadhouses on the drive down. I remember how stressed I was in the queue as I had been isolated from people and I thought I have more risk of contracting COVID waiting for my test. Another long two-day wait to receive my negative result but I was so relieved I could travel on to see my family in Hamilton. But I was banned from taking my mum to visit the GP as I had come from interstate. Even though I had a negative test, it was just so frustrating. My mum and I were able to see the GP in an isolated room at the back of the clinic. I imagine you are familiar with stories like this too. And after the Sydney lockdown over that Christmas, we were all starting to wonder what 2021 would bring. We were referring to events as pre or post COVID and really started to realise that life might never be quite the same. 2021 in regards to COVID was all about vaccination and limiting the severity of the COVID-19 symptoms, especially hospitalisations and death. Further lockdowns followed and these had a large impact on my family and most likely yours as well. Dennis was due to start a new locum job in a regional centre, a six and a half hour drive from home. He had been booked to fly from Sydney, but we knew Sydney was high risk at this time. He works in hospitals and didn't want to contract the virus. A change of plans, I drove him instead, just as we entered lockdowns across New South Wales. Well, 
We discussed this on the long drive and said, yeah, this will be great. It'll be over in 30 days. Six months later, I could return to the Blue Mountains to shop and get my very long hair cut. And this long period of time had presented many practical challenges for families living apart, but there was also the adjustment to working from home and homeschooling as well. Have you had the chance to reflect on and let go of any of the stress that built up during these past two years? For me, 2021 was another 12 month break from seeing my family as it was for others living interstate. We also farewelled Dennis's mum in that April. So when we think about living with COVID, it is all of those changes we went through within our own families, workplaces and communities. It is important to recognise the adaptions you successfully made and the resilience you have gained. Like all change that is enforced upon us, it is not all bad. Take a moment to think about what you gained that was positive during the ups and downs of COVID lockdowns. Perhaps you got more time to sleep, more time to spend with your family. Perhaps you could exercise from home in your lunch break. Maybe you started growing your own food or got some home renovations completed. Since mid-October this year, we entered a new phase of living with COVID and it is now up to us to decide when to wear a mask and when to test for the SARS-CoV-2 virus when cold and flu symptoms present. So I thought it was timely to share some tips on keeping your immune system in the best shape possible as we quickly head towards Christmas. Our immune system keeps record of every germ or microbe it has defended against before. Parts of the immunity of our body include the skin, lungs, digestive tract, known quite commonly now as the microbiome, and also a raise of temperature, a fever, kills microbes too. The main parts of our immune system that react when we're invaded with a virus are the white blood cells, antibodies which fight the microbes or toxins that are produced. There are also a host of proteins that work with these antibodies. Our lymphatic system helps manage fluid balance and remove dangerous microbes. Our spleen has a role in filtering and producing red blood cells. And bone marrow is also very important for producing both red and white cells. The thymus also filters blood and produces T lymphocytes, which are important for our immunity as well. Vaccination can also play a role in supporting our immunity. The role of immunization is to copy the body's immune response. Vaccines do not cause the disease in a person receiving the vaccine, but it will prompt their immune system to respond as it would on its first reaction to the actual pathogen or virus. I suggest discussing your vaccination requirement with your GP. If you have a depleted immune system, then additional care is warranted. What contributes to immune depletion? Well, as we age, our immune system can become less efficient. We might also have micronutrient deficiencies. Environmental toxins can put a strain on our immune system, including air pollution and excessive amounts of alcohol. Excess weight can contribute to chronic inflammation and impair the white cell function. Poor diet, what do I mean by this? Highly processed foods and 
perhaps a way of eating that doesn't include those whole foods that we know boosts our immune system, such as our vegetables, our fruit, small amount of whole grains, chronic diseases such as diabetes, kidney disease or heart disease can also lower our immunity. Chronic mental stress raises cortisol levels, our stress hormones, which means we're in that continual mode of wanting to fight or flight. And this means we're less able to respond to invading toxins. A lack of sleep and rest can also impact negatively on our immune system. So from a food and nutrition perspective, what I suggest is look at your overall dietary pattern, not individual foods or nutrients. As much as possible, minimize those ultra processed foods. They don't provide the nutrients that your immune system needs and they also lower our immunity because they can contribute to chronic inflammation. As we mentioned earlier, the gut has a big role. The microbiome contributes to our immune function. So plant fibers are a very important prebiotic to feed the healthy microbes in our gut. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes. And then there's probiotics such as fermented dairy, fermented vegetables, tempeh and miso that help provide live helpful bacteria for our immune system. Sometimes if we have had chronic illness, vitamin and mineral supplements might be suggested, but I would suggest having an individual consult with a dietitian to decide whether this is actually necessary. And if you're thinking you need a boost, then join me in that 15 minute free consult I mentioned earlier. So in summary, to boost your immune system, look at eating whole foods, something like the Mediterranean style of eating. If you're smoking, then look at quitting smoking. Get some support to help with that. Take a check of your alcohol intake, especially with the festive season approaching. Look at regular exercise, movement outdoors, movement inside, something that you enjoy. And seven to nine hours of quality sleep is something that we all need to treasure. And look at ways of managing stress through your hobbies, through aromatherapy baths, yoga, meditation, and breathing practices. And as I said before, if you feel that you might need some extra supplements to support your eating, then see a healthcare practitioner. And as I mentioned, you are most welcome to join me in a 15 minute call as a first step. Continue to wash your hands. Everything transmits via your hands. And as I shared earlier, it's amazing how many things we touch when we're really mindful, we realize how many surfaces we touch. So keep up with the hand washing and when you're indoors and with a lot of people, I would suggest wearing a face mask. All of our health websites are suggesting the wearing of face masks to minimize that transmission of the virus. And as I've mentioned, if you have any nutrition concerns or emotional eating habits, then I have included the link to our free 15 minute emotional eating profile call in this episode's notes. Thanks for listening. Keep well and as much as possible, include things in your life that keep you calm and bring you joy. I look forward to sharing with you again next week. 
You have been listening to the Eating For You podcast with Sally-Ann Pisk. If your current way of eating is not working for you, then join me in a free 15-minute emotional eating profile call. If I can help you, I will provide you with a personalised tip to get you started with a new way of eating. The booking link is included with this episode's 